everybody. Welcome back to Bitches Love Brunch. This is episode number 18, and this is Kiana. And this is Courtney. Welcome back, guys. We hope you enjoyed our episode 17 with our guest, Sam. Sam was very politically correct throughout the entire episode, so we appreciate you being a thoroughbred American on our episode, Sam. (laughs) Really from the motherland. Well, not my motherland, but from your motherland. Um, we appreciate you <laughs> representing for the country, not the culture, the country. He out here getting his um, picket fence with two and a half children and his white wife, and we over here trying to get that forty acres and a mule. Right? Which one is? Which one should we be gunning for, though? <laughs> I want both. Well, minus the kids, but I want both. <laughs> you goddamn right. I want both too. Like, I can have it all. <laughs> I want to be Cardi B. Like, why can't I have both? Right. Why Sam can't I? just want the, the, the quote-unquote American dream. He really so... No, okay, let me not say this because he ain't here to defend himself. But he low-key. He, <laughs> he was under the bus, though. He did. He, mm, I love you, Sam. This Sasha. <laughs> you were good when I just said it. But, um... <laughs> and then he could fight me in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> or pull up to your house. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> right, he's not one of the people that just know us by the podcast. He was at your house. Right. Right. Not that um, there's anything going on at Courtney's house. Just putting that out there. Right. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> We've learned our lesson early on. We have people. There's the people we <laughs> read in between and under the lines. Right. And I don't even be no lines to read. <laughs> right. Blank page, blank slate, and people run with it. But, um, yeah, welcome back, guys. Uh, what did we talk about on our last episode? We talked about interracial dating. Um, that was a that was an interesting topic for the both of us. Courtney and I prefer black men. Ow. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, and then we talked about um, our reparations bundle package so like building what we wanted in, um, in terms of payback for reparations for slavery and then we got it got a little heated not heated but it got a little deep it did because we just started going from there like I feel like we talked about almost everything under the sun we did it, we will probably continue that conversation a little bit today um, did you get any, see, just like that, I forgot what I was going to ask you. What did I asked you two seconds ago? Did I get <laughs> did any response get... from the bundle packages? Yes. <laughs> you got it, girl. Um, so I'm going to take that as a no. No. <laughs> so some of our listeners and followers on social media responded and said some of the same things that we mentioned um, but a couple people or someone in particular just said flat out more money. Amen. And then somebody else said free education. So not even covering the student loans on the back end, but just, I want my money up front for this free education. <laughs> like we just going to nip all that in the bud. So we don't even have to go into debt over some student loans. And I can feel that. Uh, you know what? I just, I think that's where it should be, but I feel like, White people would literally lose their minds. Like, when affirmative action happened, you know, even not even just affirmative action, like, I was listening to the read, and they were talking about how the white people were upset that a black kid applied to 20 colleges. Like, why are you upset that he applied to the colleges? I saw that. I saw that on the news, and I was just like, or 
I saw like the the clipping of it, and I was just like, she. I mean, she called it obnoxious. What? <laughs> like outright obnoxious. As somebody for real heated who used to work in admissions, like nobody cares how many colleges you apply to. That's not taking somebody's seat. It's when you're admitted, and even if you're right. admitted to a selective school, like you've earned that spot. It's selective. That means that person just didn't get that spot. Because you still have to have the grades to get in there. Right. I mean, they were big mad about it, though. Like, I mean, I can understand. It's To me, it's one thing to, like, steer your child in a direction of, like, okay, let's narrow down a couple schools. But to sit here and be, like, big mad about it as if they were taking a spot from someone else, they're not. <laughs> like, you can apply to however many schools you want to. And if they want to award that money to you, by all means, let them. Like, how you gonna be mad at me for doing well, for succeeding? I mean, she just get a big hearty fuck you from me. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, fuck you. Seriously? 20 applications, what's wrong with that? What's the boy right. doing? But honestly, like, I'm doing it because I can. It feels good. Because I know I'm gonna right. get admitted to Right, you're just mad because so what? you can't. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'll, I'll get admitted to all of them. Thank you. That was ridiculous. But here we are. Yeah, well, good topics for this week. This week will be fun. Well, fun for us. <laughs> and hopefully fun for the listeners, too. <laughs> I hope so, too. But, you know, we, we like to relish in these, these topics. Right. Okay. So, that's the recap for the week. Um... Kiana, are you drinking anything? Water. I hear you. I respect that. I'm drinking water, too. <laughs> okay. And you want to know why, though? The only reason why I'm drinking water is because I didn't, have any, I didn't have a mixer to go with my whiskey. Even though I should be drinking whiskey straight, but that is the I only was going to say, when does drinking. that ever stop you? I know, but tonight just didn't feel like one of those nights I just needed... <laughs> A neat whiskey, like I'd be sleep halfway through the podcast. You'd be like, uh-huh. <laughs> "We've had that happen before." Who was sleep? Dre. Oh, Dre, you are absolutely <laughs> right. Dre, that's funny. Somebody actually just texted me about that episode today, and was just like, "I went back and listened to it, and it is hilarious." I was like, "L.A. was a mess." Oh, man. If we could do it again, I would. I'm sure we will. Uh, that's without a doubt. Honestly, that's really without I'm a doubt. Sure it's only a matter will. of when. Right. All right. So we're not drinking today, but we do have the quote for you guys. We're going to um, bring in the good news. And I'm excited to share this quote because it is from... A fellow Bobcat, in, in light of everything that's going on, which we'll get to in a minute. But, um, so, it just states, stop making black small businesses your second choice and backup plan. That is from Lakeisha Grant. Shout out to Keish. Like Bob I said, a Bobcat. Um, and that was part of, like, her Facebook status. And then, well, I guess we'll just jump right into the topic um, so Kiana posed a question some time ago 
And I think this is going to spark a lot of conversation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, but, Kiana, I'm going to throw your question back at you. Are Black-owned businesses entitled to our patronage? Okay, so listen. <laughs> Part of me wants to say no. Um, only because... You know what? I, I'm going to change my answer. I used to think no. I think that black-owned businesses, for me, oh, God, this is hard. <laughs> I see. And Louvre, what's going on right now with, like, the whole Starbucks thing, I feel like black businesses deserve deserve an opportunity to be served first, for me. Um, And then if it don't work out, I don't feel like they're entitled for my patronage to continue. And I feel like a lot of times, oh, damn it. This is tough, Courtney. I don't really, I'm fucking this up, huh? Take it, take your, no, take your time. You know, it's not, you know, it's not an easy conversation. It's really Um, not. Let me just open up my thought process there. Okay. So I feel like, I, I don't like it when black people do feel like they're entitled for me to, to, you know, patron their businesses because a lot of times, just because you're African-American or black, depending on how, how you want to classify yourself, um, that doesn't mean that you necessarily do well in what you do. You know what I'm saying? Like, that, that mm-hmm. doesn't give you an opportunity to have any less customer service. That doesn't give you an opportunity, you know, to take my patronage for granted. I still want a full, a full experience when I do come to your business. But that also goes... In reverse for me, too. Although I'm going to a black-owned business, like, I shouldn't expect a discount. I shouldn't expect, you know what I'm saying? Like, it goes Mm -hmm. hand-in-hand with both parties. But, and what just happened with Starbucks, I kind of feel like, you know, I'm not the big, I'm not a big Starbucks fan. I'm a Dunkin' Donuts girl all day. But, um, it just makes you think, like, shit, we had always been going to black businesses first because it's so easy for them to take us for granted. It's so easy for them to dismiss us. It's so easy for them to put their biases on all of us. And and it's not fair. Like, one of the people that that guy even, um, that the guy got arrested, he was, like, college educated. Like, we're not just thugs. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're not thugs, but they don't, they don't see us that way. And it's, it, it almost makes you feel like, man, I just wish I would go to black businesses first. I think that's where I'm at. Okay. So, yeah. So, my response to that question is, no, I don't think black-owned businesses are entitled to my patronage. However, I do feel like it is my duty as a black person to patron black-owned businesses. Um, And I don't know if it's necessarily about first or, like, I I don't see black-owned businesses as a backup plan to me it just it comes down to I like what I like (laughs) you know what I mean so like to your point about Starbucks and Dunkin Donuts first of all I don't drink coffee (laughs) so I'm really not going to either but I don't fuck with Starbucks hot chocolate okay I know that sounds very childish (laughs) but I don't so but Dunkin Donuts like 
I like what I like there. And so I'm always going to choose Dunkin' Donuts over Starbucks because it actually tastes good to me. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> and and when it comes to cost and when it comes to, you know, like what you offer, like I think about all of those things. But I think it is part of my, like I said, part of my duty to, and and I think I'm a little biased in this because I am a black business owner. So I do feel like it's part of my duty to support other black businesses. Are they entitled to it? Absolutely not. Um, and a couple of other things that like Keisha was stating in her status was like, you know, we got to stop like making these excuses or using these excuses of why we don't pat- patron uh, black businesses too. Like, just because you have a mistake here or there from a black-owned business, um, you can't let them slide, but you letting Starbucks slide all day. But let me but also say, like, I'm not necessarily one to be like, I think everybody should boycott Starbucks. I did originally, but now I have completely changed my mind because I did some research. But I think we can get into that in a little bit. But, um... You, I think we just also have to stop making these excuses like, oh, black-owned businesses don't do this or they don't do that and they're not on time, da 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 When Pizza Hut ain't on time with your pizza, you still go back to Pizza Hut. <laughs> like, y'all are not like, oh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get my pizza from there anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think, I think it's just, I think we have to get rid of those excuses and just like be real about it. Um, I'm not saying that you have to support every single business or every single black owned business but make that effort to do so like we need to keep this money in our community not even just yeah we do need to keep the money in the community because i mean i mean honestly it's it's not that we need to keep it there we just we need to bring it back there because we have it we have the buying power like we i mean the statistics show it you know what i'm saying like we are Excuse me, the large, we are, we're the, we're the group that spends the most money, but has the least amount of money. Right. So we have the money. We just have to put it where, you know, it belongs. We just, honestly, like I said before in the last conversation, like if we wouldn't have integrated, like we just need our own shit because it's so Mm -hmm. easy. It's so easy for them to call us a nigga. It's so easy for them to arrest us. It's so easy for us to look the wrong way or fit into some type of stereotype that they think like it, it's harder to do that when you really know somebody just like it's harder to kill somebody or shoot somebody like a police officer when you when you actually know that person it's hard right you know what i'm saying right. so um I, I just think that we need our own shit personally but i was um i don't know if you saw this but did you see the girl who was on the breakfast club and she forgot what blog site that she works for. But she went on like a rant. And what she was saying was like honest to God's truth. She was saying like how, you know, a lot of the black celebrities, like how they, um, they're so quick to go and give an interview to like Vogue or, um, you know, like one of the white based platforms. Mm-hmm. And yet they overlook like the shade room or, um, the breakfast club or cause you know what I'm saying? Like black Twitter has so much influence and buying power and everything that happens. And they were saying like, they always, they're, they're always overlooked. And I was like, wow, that's, that's actually very interesting. Like you would go to a TMZ before you would go to baller alert. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, got you, got you. Yeah. Um, it, it was just very interesting because it, it seems like it's happening in every field almost. And not just so much black businesses, but like like she said, like black media, like and she was like, I mean, we have we literally have so much power. We control black Twitter literally controls everything. Even even white people. <laughs> like it's a it's, it's a lot of influence there because white people follow our culture. We set the tone. Oh, yes. And so yes. if black Twitter isn't buying into something or baller alert or black people in general aren't buying into something, like there's a chance that that could really affect your career, but yet they still support you. Mm-hmm. It's funny because I think Diddy was trying to say something similar to um, this young lady that you're speaking of that was on The Breakfast Club. He posted about, there must have been like an article or something um, around why hasn't hip-hop boom, the hip-hop boom pushed more black executives to the top. Um, and he was just saying like, if y'all like, and it's like a picture of like all of these black executives, I guess. Um, but he was just like, we we have to own our culture. Like, <laughs> this is our culture. And because there are so many of us within it, like, we could do this together. You know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't necessarily have to be, like you said, going to the... I mean, that's just the difference between, like, the title and the Apple Music. You know what I'm saying? Like, we could own our own shit. Right. And keep it in-house. It spans across the board, um, but I don't necessarily know what it would take for get to get people to uh, black people, people of color, to start you know reinvesting into our communities in that way. You know, I, I really think it's all a it's an image thing. I think it's it's how we see ourselves. You know, I think that far too often we are the butt of our own jokes. You know what I'm saying? Like we make light, we make light of ourselves like um i was listening to ryan coogler he had done an interview and he was talking about when he went to africa and he was saying that he had saw these workers and they were like handing out watermelon and he was like yo we oh, drink wa- we eat too. watermelon at, and you know in my hood and he was like yeah he's like but you know like we 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 try to eat it like in the privacy of our own homes and she's like why <laughs> right. why are you ashamed to eat something of your culture you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, why are we afraid to eat chicken in front of people? Like, we like fucking chicken. It is what it is. Like, I'm black. I like chicken. I don't give a fuck. Like, that's what... <laughs> like, sometimes it is what it is. And it's like we we shrink ourselves behind some of the things that are supposed to be normal. They're supposed to be cultural. Those are cultural things, and we shouldn't be ashamed of them. You know? And so I think that once we reevaluate the way that we look to each other, once we're not downing each other, once... We don't look at it as, you know, that man got too much money. I ain't trying to give him no more. Like, you don't got no problem giving money to to Apple, like you said. Like, you got no problem giving money to Steve Jobs, and yet you can't give it to your your brother and your sister. But that also means that if they do, like, Jay-Z, Diddy, like, they have a responsibility to also put us on, too. They do, but I also think it's like, we we have to start getting comfortable with holding each other accountable too because like going back to my point earlier no we shouldn't make the excuses of why we're not you know contributing back to black businesses or patroning black businesses but yo if i'm fucking up i want somebody to tell me as a business owner i want somebody to be like look you know what your product is really dope 
you know, I think what you're doing is really awesome. You know what I'm saying? This might be a couple of things that you could, you know, that you could do to improve. Maybe maybe your marketing could be better. Maybe your social media could be better. Something like that, as opposed to people like trying to be like, oh, this person is shady. They trying to, you know, put me down. Da, da, da. No, bro, I'm just trying to make you better. You know what I'm saying? Like, <clears throat> and that goes back to my point earlier about why I don't feel like black businesses are entitled for me to patron them. But, like, I think, I, I just think it's a fine line of you have to be able to do both. Like, step your game up. If if I want somebody's dollar, I feel like I should also produce, give them a quality experience, too. And so right. I shouldn't let that slide just because I'm a black business owner and I should, and I feel like I feel entitled to the black community's dollar. No, that's not the case. You know what I'm saying? Like if I if I don't respond to you for two weeks or something like that, you in two weeks you could have found somebody else. And you should. <laughs> and, right. And and you should. And you absolutely should. Um and and then to your point about, you know, Diddy and them making sure that they're reaching back, like that's that's absolutely where we need to be. I saw him post something about I guess creating an app or um, or maybe a site or something like that that'll tell you the black um, businesses within your community or something like that. And it's already an app. I was doing gonna say, that. but it's already <laughs> one that's like that. So why not back exactly. up her app? Why exactly. not? Why not back and, up her app? They're calling her the next Steve Jobs. Like pour into exactly. her. And and it's like, don't don't reinvent the wheel. Like we got to do this together. Go ahead and pull back. Like the platform is already there. Go ahead and invest in that. I just want Diddy to go hard for somebody the way he go for his son. And granted, I know they'll be different, but I've never seen Diddy go so hard for an an artist or somebody something that he believed in. Uh, I disagree. I disagree. But you already know you and I disagree a little bit about Diddy. (laughs) So I disagree. I. I don't think we see it in the way necessarily in the way that we would like to. Like, I feel like Diddy is sticking to his lane. If Diddy knows something, then he can back that. You know what I'm saying? But that that's just like with the whole, uh, the app that he's trying to create or whatever, the site that he's trying to create and it's already out there. It's like, go find that, Diddy. That's not his territory, though, but go find that. As opposed to reinventing the wheel, but if you if you find if he finds a musician or an artist, a singer, whatever, I feel like he goes hard for them. But a black bit like he knows his lane. <laughs> That's what I feel like. He knows his lane. I feel like Jay Z and Beyonce they do the same thing in terms of like, look, I might not be able to put together an educational program for you, but let me let me give this HBCU some money. <laughs> Cause that's what I can do to build this program or to offer somebody a scholarship. Yeah. You know, we going to agree to disagree about Diddy. <laughs> we going to have to. So don't get me wrong. I do. I do love Diddy. I do love Diddy for all the things that he does, but I'm just one of those people that I just, I, I know that Diddy does a lot. I know that he, I'm sure he does a lot behind the scenes, which I mean, that's cool too, but we can't see that. So, um, I just I just want to challenge him to be more because I just see so much potential for Diddy. Like I I look at Diddy, and I think that Diddy can be a Trump. 
You know what I'm saying? Like that can be the Combs can be a household name like the Trumps. I, I I see that for him. I just want I just want more. I just want to challenge my brother just to do a tiny bit more. Um, who would you like? Who is somebody that you would put on that list that is like doing what you think they should be doing? Like what you're wanting Diddy to do? Um, Chance. Who? Chance. Oh, okay. Okay. Chance is doing a phenomenal job. <clears throat> um, I also think that... Because Diddy doesn't rap anymore. So I, I, that's the thing. I feel like he has a... I know he doesn't have free time. Don't get me wrong. Like, I know that man don't got free time. But <laughs> he also not in the studio. So, <laughs> um, I, I, look, I mean, the Obamas, like, I just feel like he he's on a different... He, he's, he's not making records no more. You know what I'm saying? So, I feel like this is the perfect opportunity. Even though these things aren't necessarily his lane, you know, you got to still build. You got to still develop yourself. And I feel like him sticking to that lane, like, that's cool. But, like... Let's let's try something a little different. Let's see how we can really impact the world. Let's see how you can do things for the generation from gener for generations to come. Not saying that he can't. He he's not doing that now. I just I look at Diddy as a household name. Like I got so much respect for him and his brand. And I just I just want to see it be bigger. I I think we deserve a Trump, and I think that it should be a comb. You know what I'm saying? Like, and not talking mm -hmm. about Trump as in like a president Trump, but like right. the name Trump means I so much. You, you get what I'm saying? Like a Hilton, yeah, a like a Steve Jobs. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. So I think that you know Diddy really has the power to do that. I really have faith in him, and it's just gonna take that one thing that he gonna do to wild me. And I'm like, all right, you, you there, you there. I just want to coach him up mm -hmm. a little bit because he's doing phenomenal. Not Don't get me. Wrong, but I want to. Yes, I want to coach him up. Everybody can be coached. Um, I guess with that perspective, like I could respect that. I could absolutely respect that. I think for me, I just debate, and this isn't like I just debate. Like <laughs> I'm laughing because you might chuckle when I say this, but you know how we've talked about in the past, like people who <laughs> try to be a jack of all trades. <laughs> It yes. took everything for me to get that out. Done. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, inside jokes. Okay. Um, so for me, that's kind of how I look at it. Like, you're absolutely right. Like, those those are, like, really good examples of people who are out here doing it and doing more. And when you put it like that, because if you if we really sit and think about the black community and the people who just have a brand just by their name alone and the potential to to be, you know, like you said, the Hiltons and stuff like that. I think you're right. I think Diddy is up there be, because I don't I don't want to keep calling him, you know, the Trump, but he could be the black Trump. Like I I agree like you are absolutely right. He could be the black Trump. I think what that would take for Diddy is to have um, a different group of people around him too though mm -hmm. like the people that that he is surrounded by are similar to him in the sense of like the industry you right. know what I mean so in the industry that he's in but no I could get with that I could absolutely get with that um but I think that would just take for somebody else to step up too yeah. like you said maybe you need to be over there coaching Diddy like look this is what you need at 
Add this to the belt, bruh. Right, like you you climbing right now, bro. Like we gonna get you to your peak. You know what I'm saying? Like your absolute peak. And I think mm-hmm. that would be awesome. Cause we need it. We do. Cause that we wouldn't do. only just elevate him. Like it would it would do it would do a lot for us as a community. So before we wrap up and move on to the next topic, because it is hot right now, I do wanna um Specifically talk about the Starbucks thing and just kind of get your thoughts about that. Well, I think the manager's trash. (laughs) (laughs) Simple as Would you boycott? If you were a frequent, you know, Starbucks patron, would you boycott? At this point, with me and and the limited research that I've done from what I've seen, because, you know... Um, I don't really go to Starbucks. I mean, I understand what they're doing on the surface, but I would have to say no at this point because the way that Starbucks is trying to handle this situation, it for me, that speaks volumes about their CEO. Um, really just trying to make sure that everybody is like culturally competent to work in this space. I don't I, I think that what he's doing, that's a great step. I don't feel like you can undo um, you know, racist right. mindsets from somebody's entire life. But it's a hell of a lot more than what people do on a day-to-day basis. You know what I'm saying? Like, shut down America for a day and so they right. can get their shit together. Shut down my job. I've experienced racism at my job. And my, not not once did my, my boss go back and have a conversation with everybody about how to be more culturally sensitive or aware. You know what I'm saying? So I give Starbucks kudos for that. I wouldn't say... Um, I would boycott boycott Starbucks, but I'm telling you, I would be more aware to patron not to patron black owned places so that shit won't mm-hmm. happen to me. Like I just mm-hmm. think that it causes us to be like we got to be more conscious. You know what I'm saying? We have to be more yeah. conscious about the things that we decide to do and where we put our dollar because that really does matter. It truly does matter. And for and two, Starbucks is fucking expensive. Like take your money and save it. <laughs> right. No, I agree. I will I will say though, when I first saw it come out, I think this was on Sunday, um, and I was on the phone with my sister and nephew and something came up about Starbucks and I was like, No, we can't go there anymore, da 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 like and I was telling them what happened, they were like, Oh, okay, word, word, whatever. Um, but I saw a couple of good points after that. Um, just you know, just comments on like the shade room or, you know, people's statuses and whatnot. Um, and somebody brought up a really good point about the fact that this is, this is, to me, it's a little different. Now, granted, I know we've had the conversation about H&M or whatever, but to me, it's a little different from H&M. So when H&M put out that ad, that was like a huge misstep, but it came from like the whole of the company, whereas this situation was at an isolated store. And so that's not necessarily the representation of the entire company. You know what I mean? So you can't fault an entire company for this one manager's bias. Um, On top of the fact that being aware of cultural differences is not new to the owner of Starbucks. And this is something that he's put efforts, he, he or she has put efforts into um, over the years. So this isn't anything new. 
And I think they are taking a huge step. So all that to say, I have changed my mind. I'm going to have to go back and tell my sister, like, okay, I think we can still go to Starbucks. <laughs> but, you know, if that's where you choose to put your money, if that's where you choose to go. Um, but it's a lot more than what other companies are doing. Like, you will see that the employee either didn't get fired. Like, when have we ever seen them shut down an entire company and be like, no, this is what we're doing on this day? <laughs> Right, Who like does that? you have me fucked up right here, and so we're gonna go ahead and shut this down. Right, because they're missing. Like, we're not, not about to do. Right, but let's not be remiss. Like they miss not on money. Like Starbucks brings that's in money. I'm, yeah, yeah, but that's what they're saying. Like y'all not about to continue to f up this coin, so we can close all stores for a day, if that means that continue or moving forward my coin is still going to be right. So, like, we can't forget that either. Like, you're absolutely right. Like, this is still about business. It it can be both, though. So, shout-out to Starbucks doing it. Like like Beyonce said, shut the country down. Yeah, shut, listen, America needs, actually, we need to be on punishment for a few years. And all of us do, because all of us have played a role in fucking up America. As much as we don't want to say it, but white people have done it more. But anyway, um, <laughs> we've all... I know, because I was over here like, what I do? We've all done our <laughs> share of fucking up this country in some way, some fashion. Like, it's kind of like scandal, you know? Like, we we all contributed to this in some way. So, you know, we aren't the people who are the golden goose, but let us be the lesson learned, and let's try to correct it. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. What is, what's our next topic? What are we talking about? Oh, shit. We are, oh, you know what? I was going to say, please pause for advertisement. We ain't got no ads yet. (laughs) (laughs) We ain't got no ads, (laughs) y'all. No, um, and I wish we could have segued earlier because, Kiana, you were talking about the, um, interview that Ryan Coogler was doing and talking about uh when was it when he went to Africa? Yeah, it was when he went to Africa. Mm-hmm. Um but that is the next topic. The black community and I won't say ugh, because we've had those conversations down at OU before. Um but the black community and then the African community and what those dynamics are like. What have they been like for you personally? For me personally, I'm trying to think about it in the different phases of my life. So I just referenced OU and I just remember there being conversations about um, just just the not the not only the differences in, in the in the two communities, but um I guess the lack of connection. Yeah. Between the two communities on on campus in particular. Um I don't think I don't think you really saw a lot of that. I feel like I saw it a, a little bit in my later years between you know, just either my personal interactions with people or an indirect interaction. So like my cousin went to um she studied abroad for a little bit in Botswana, Um and so she got really close with someone you know, so my interaction started to change just because of their interactions. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and then I feel like we started to see a little bit more um, when people 
when African people and Afri those in the African community um, took part in Greek life. And so that was a shift as well. Um, but I think it was just really around the lack of connection between the two communities there because at the end of the day, we were still both people of color and probably facing some of the same, some of the same challenges, not all of them, because I, I understand that those, those challenges um, were different. And then I think about it now being here in Columbus where um, when people, when Africans come over to Ohio in particular, Columbus is, is where they come. Um, and so I've had those interactions and it hasn't, it wasn't necessarily the same as it was at OU. Like, I feel like I see the connection a little bit more, but I also think that's because, you know, the younger you are when you move here, when they move here, you have more interaction and, you know, you're amidst those two cultures can, can connect a little bit more and interact a little bit more just because of your surroundings and your schoolings or, you know, your everyday activities. So you, I feel like you see that a little bit more and it's welcomed a little bit more. Um, but that's just me. Like I said, Columbus is Columbus has a huge African population, which from a diversity standpoint and a cultural standpoint and just for my personal experience, I can really appreciate. But not everybody has that. Right. And um, I think that I don't I I I definitely see a big disconnect for sure. Um, even even at OU when I was there, just the African American. Um, no, we didn't have an African American studio union. Let me stop lying. We had a room. <laughs> we had a room, but you you I, for me, I didn't see a lot of um, African students there. I will say that a lot of people who are who are more so second generation. Um, Americans, those people, mm -hmm. though, I think we had a stronger connection with because they were born here, but like their parents were African. I can say that that um, that bridged a lot of gaps for us, and I think that that was a great way to learn about African culture while being at OU was through a friend who had family who happened to be African. I mean, who had fam? Well, they're African too, but you know what I'm saying. Like they, their family. Mm -hmm literally had came um their their first generation students here and um mm -hmm. even as an adult i feel like it's it's still a big disconnect i feel like you know we have our own separate communities um you know even in columbus like when i lived in columbus for a short while i remember living in i don't forgot was that the north is that north columbus no yeah that's north side Oh, yeah, so I was living in North Columbus, and people were like, yeah, but that's where the Somalians are. And I'm just like, well, <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it still feels like there there is a disconnect. And, of course, there is one. But I think that, um, and kudos to Black Panther for being Black Panther, for one. And then for two, just bringing or highlighting, you know, the disconnect that we have with American culture and African culture. And I think it would be really interesting to actually have a conversation about, you know, what is it that you guys learned about us? Because, you know, it's it's difficult to be in Africa and learn about an African-American if you don't know one, if you're in Africa. You know what I'm saying? So, right. and, and vice versa, if an African is here and we don't really talk to them about what they've learned about us or what we, I, I think they have a pretty good depiction though of what Americans in general think of Africans kind of like you know like people live in huts and you know like the stereotypical stuff mm -hmm. that isn't necessarily true but I, I do think it would be interesting to know 
exactly what it is that they learned about us. Um, they have some of those same ideas that um, other non-Americans have about black people because that's all that they see, whether it is thugs or, you know what I mean, we're all athletes or rappers or stuff like that. That is, that's something that I have heard, um, that that perception is sometimes there as well. But, so I agree. I feel like that conversation will be interesting. Um, but I think in recent years, clearly both sides have grown to learn, like, okay, what I think about Africa is not completely accurate, and what I think about black people in America is not completely accurate either. Um, but I do think it's time to start having those conversations because, like you mentioned earlier about, like, living on the north side of Columbus and, you know, people saying that um, that's the side of town that's, that's like, heavy, heavily populated by the Somali community. Like, it's no different than the Latino community or the Latinx community congregating in one area of a city. You know what I'm saying? And them having their communities, like... I feel like there's something that we could actually learn from that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like right. be in our own neighborhoods, but create good neighborhoods. Um, they're owning businesses out the wazoo here in Columbus, but, and not just, not just anything, not just, you know, people like to just think, you know, they own like the dollar store or something like that or the convenience store, but like things that are related to their culture, like, I was geeked, it was probably like a year ago, when I found out that there were, and the lady looked at me like I was absolutely crazy, but I was like, um, you know, I always complain about not being able to find fabric in Columbus because there are nowhere fabric stores. Right. But I, I found an African fabric store, and I was like geeked. I was like, yeah, it's not too many of them here in Columbus. And the lady looked at me was like, yes, there are. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, where, you know, where have you been? Um, and so we're it's back to that point of like we're finding our markets we're finding where the needs are and we're creating that community um, for ourselves and we need to be and I just feel like that's something that the black community could be learning and taking away um, and that's kind of like going back to what Sam was saying last week about you know the Jewish community doing that and sticking together so on and so forth like it's happening we, we just have to get up on it we just have to do it it's going to take some work. A part of me wants to, a part of me feels like, yeah, black people can do it, but a part of me wants us to do it with Africans. I can see that. I, I really do. I, I really feel like, you know, we, because even like, again, from the Ryan Coogler um, interview, he was saying like, they call us the lost tribe. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like we, we come from, we come from there. You know what I'm saying? So right. I feel like it's just so easy to say, like, we're two separate communities. And granted, we are for now. But, like, that's right, that's where we com that's where we come from. And I think and that... And we don't necessarily have to be. Exactly. And so it kind of feels like, why keep that separation? Like, I feel like the whole intent of, you know, the transatlantic slave trade was to separate us. But now that we're not separated anymore, like, what's stopping us from joining together? Right. You know what I'm saying? Because those people, they look like us. 
they do similar rituals as us. Like there's there's deep pieces of our culture in their culture that that closely intertwine with each other, and I think that if we keep looking at each other like, oh, you're African, I'm African American, like that's probably the one time everybody like I'm African American when you want to be called black, <laughs> like right. Um, I just I don't know. I think I think that we're stronger together than apart. And agreed and they're not as many differences as we think like I have um one of my one of my best friends is African she's from New Guinea um and <laughs> oftentimes she'd be like well you know in the African culture da, 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 da. and I'd be like we do that in the black culture right. <laughs> that's us like I mean and that is probably directly tied to you know our heritage and our roots um so it's like sometimes it's almost comforting to hear when she says stuff like that and to know like, OK, well, we do that, too. And it's like we're still carrying some of those traditions, those innate traditions. Um, so I, I like you said, I think I think we are long overdue to reach that point of where like we're unifying again. And I think that, you know, it only. It only perpetuates what America wants us to see. Like, here we are a minority. But if we come together with Africans, and, you know, there's Africans all across the globe, like, from the largest continent on the planet. How 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 are we a minority when we're right. all African? We're a minority right. in the United States. But if you put Africans and African-Americans together and, you know, the people who are in the Caribbean and, you know, all, all across the globe, like, we're not a minority. And I think that's what they're afraid for us to realize <laughs> is that, mm-hmm. you know, once we come together, we aren't. We aren't the minority. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I just think that just a smack in the face to America and, our, and everything that's embedded into that culture, our culture here, I just think that, you know, I think we owe it to ourselves. Because we're so quick to be like, we want to go home. We want to visit home. But, like, what's at home? Africans. So how do you not want to be connected to Africans? Right. And we all lactose intolerant. Don't let me start. <laughs> I'm about to hang up on you. We're just about to end the podcast right now. We're ending this episode. I'm just saying, you can trace it back to Africa. <laughs> you know? I'm just mad that that's the one you threw out there. I mean, we are. Like, black people, give up that cheese. Give up that dairy. Oh, my goodness. But um, my cheese. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do think that I, I would love to see both both cultures come together and really find that that missing link that 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 which was stolen from us. Right. So yeah, I just think that it could actually happen. I mean, it's high time that it happens, but part of me feels like the black community would be better for it. So like, cause I could, I could just imagine somebody saying like, well, we have to get ourselves together first before, you know, even making that connection. But I feel like making that connection with our ancestors, with our roots, with our heritage, um, our brothers, you know, our African brothers and sisters, like, I feel like that would help guide us in the community that we have now. And yeah. we just have to be this black community. Um, so that I'm, I'm low key excited. Like shit, let me go talk to somebody. <laughs> what do you think? What do you think needs to happen in order for this? I wouldn't call it a transition, but for not an integration either. 
for this reunion to transpire? <laughs> well, that's a big question. I honestly do not know. I honestly do not know. Um, one of our friends, like, for me personally, I still, you know, want to do the whole DNA test because I feel like that would be a start for me. Um, but one of our friends just recently um, got the results of their test. Yeah. And so I just saw, like, on her social media highlights, she's researching all this stuff now. But, yeah. like, I can I can totally get with that because it's like once you know, then it's like, okay, I have a starting point. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but that also gives, that also goes back to my point of in my reparations package, I think all black people, African-Americans, whatever, um, need that free DNA test because I want to know my roots. And I feel like once you know where you came from, you immediately feel that much more connected. Because we, we sit, I mean, I love that we call ourselves kings and queens because that is what we're descendants of. But if you were to tell me right now that I am from Nigeria, that, you know, that's where my roots come from, like, that's a whole different thing. Then I could really be like, okay, I can trace this back to A, B, and C. Right. Everybody needs that. Like, I just feel like black people don't have that sense of self of really knowing who we are. We can pull on it and grasp at it all day long and assume and read the books, but that's a whole different type of connection. You know, um, this was the first time I really saw privilege from... um, in in a professional environment, I remember doing this icebreaker. I was working at a small college in Cleveland, and the icebreaker was go around the room and tell everybody your name and where'd you get it from. Oh, child. Mm-hmm. And everybody, like, one of my coworkers, her last, she was Italian. So she was talking about where her name came from, and she was Italian. And I heard somebody else talking about their last name and, you know, the culture that the culture that she belonged to. And I was like, well, my name is Kiana, and my mama named me after. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. It was just that piece that I could not go back and tell you where rivers came from i mean i'm sure it came from like the part of my family that's probably somewhat native american but um (laughs) i was just Mm -hmm. like wow that that the fact that you you have that bit of information and i don't like that literally is a privilege in itself to know exactly where you came from and and it's it's an honor to have your last name right because you're a representative of where you come from and i don't have that yep Yep. We, I was just thinking the same thing when I was in Nashville. You know, we went to that, um, to that plantation. We did that guided tour. Um, and they were mostly, it was a guided tour of the mansion, the big house, whatever. <laughs> um, and, of course, it really wasn't about the slaves. It, was, it wasn't a cotton plantation, though. But they were able to tell us the story of the founders of that plantation, like (laughs) the forefathers of that plantation. Um, And they went through the four generations and it was just like, I was talking to my nephew because, you know, that's who went with me or whatever. But um, I was just like, that's, that's what I wish we could do. You know what I mean? Like, the fact that they sat there, I mean, and, to, and they were talking about how to this day they still have, you know, family members and 
that are bringing items that they have found to bring back into the house, yada, yada, yada. And it's just like, it was, <laughs> and, and the difference, the difference between the story of um, the plantation owners and the slaves that worked there, and it kept bothering me because they kept calling them staff and not slaves. And it's like, bro, they were still slaves, even though this was not a cotton plantation. First off, they ain't no fucking staff. I didn't get no W two, and I didn't get no payment. <laughs> right, like I'm not staff. I'm I'm enslaved. Right, I'm not staff. I am enslaved. Um, but I would have raised my hands up virtually. <laughs> <laughs> if you went into the mansion, they had all of these like original items. Original couches, original pictures, original plates, books, all of that stuff. Um, and, and you only get a tour of the, a guided tour of the mansion, but then you can tour the rest of the grounds on your own. So, of course, my nephew and I went over to the one slave, well, one of the slave uh, log cabins. And what they had in there were pieces of, like, broken glass, of, like, broken cups, of of just things that were found in the ground around you know what I mean around that right like it's not preserved it's not preserved it's not intact in any way it was pieces meanwhile and and that's how I feel like the black community feels like we know ourselves in pieces and not and not the whole story, and and we just don't have. I mean, and who can be connected to, to that? Like, right. how Stop am I telling to feel us a connection that Martin Luther King is our history. Stop telling us that Martin Luther King is our whole history. That's not it. And I'm a Malcolm X chick myself, but <laughs> but you know how in the the in schools they push Malcolm X. I mean Martin they Luther do. King before they push Malcolm they X. They do because they don't know what I mean. They didn't then. They don't know now what to do with Malcolm X. Like, I mean, because Malcolm was a boss. <laughs> they were. They they both were. Um, but again, you know, it's just it's that image that they that they want to portray the good Negro. <laughs> but you know, and I will say this. Um, that you went to the Bellmead Plantation, which was, I think, mm-hmm. at some point, I think that family was probably one of the richest families in the country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you know what made that that plantation um, lucrative was built. Yeah. I think it was like the horse. It was. It was um, the horses. Yeah. Yeah, it was built off of a the black man, a black man. I was gonna say, but it was, and that's what I was uh, having a conversation with Jalen about. Was like, I think it's very interesting that this tour was focused on this white family, but if it were not for the the black man, the slave, his name was Robert Green, um, he was like the highest sought after horse trainer. Mm-hmm. And it was like, if, you, if it were not for this man, for this black man, this plantation would have been nothing. Your wealth would have been nothing. Right. And they but- didn't, I mean... They did a brief introduction or, you know, a little overview, surface level overview um, of that. And that's pretty much what you got from it. Wow. That's that's all. And what's so crazy is that Bill Mead still continues to be one of the richest areas in the United States. That's yep. where George, that's where, uh, not George Bush, but that's where um, Al Gore lives. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, 
Wow. We were passing through there, you know, driving through on the way to the, you know, actual plantation. And there's like a, um, I think it's called Bellmead something city, whatever, but it's just like a neighborhood or whatever. I mean, you could, you could tell it was an area of money. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, beautiful. It's old. That's called, that's that real old money. Yeah. That's that old Southern that money old right there. generational money, yes. Um, but, and they have a black man to thank for that. <laughs> so you're fucking welcome. I was going to say, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> like, God damn it, white people need to know their roots too. But our white listeners, we, we love, we like y'all too. I like how you changed that real quick. I'm sorry. I was wondering if you was going to catch that. Yes, I caught it, and I had to call you out on it. I'm sorry, because at first I was over here like, just be clear, you speaking for yourself. No, I I love, like, our white listeners as well. Um, we love all of our listeners. Um, the fact is fact. <laughs> right. Um, but all I'm obligated to do is stay black and die, so. <laughs> and then there we are. And then they say something about these taxes, but I ain't trying to hear it. Right. I'm not but I'm glad you it. got that experience. Um, you know, one of our friends, she went on her bachelorette party, and she mm-hmm. went and visited um, a plantation. And I think that was more so, like, from the slave perspective. And it just looked like her yes. whole life was just, like, wrecked. I was like, I got to go. I gotta go. I'm glad I got that experience though, because <laughs> so when I first mentioned it to my nephew, um, he was like down for going. I was like, really? And he was like, yeah. He was like, I think it would be, you know, very interesting. But I also think that he thought we were gonna get a different experience too. Right. And meanwhile, I was I was nervous. I have not ever really been interested in doing like going on a plantation, visiting, doing a plantation tour, none of that. Like, I just feel, I just felt like the minute I stepped onto the grounds, we'd be like, all the things would come, like, flushing up out of me or whatever. But I think this was a good first experience to kind of ease me into it <laughs> since we didn't really get the experience that we thought we would. Um, but when I stepped foot into that, into that cabin, yeah, it, it hit, it hit hard. And that was without... You know, that was without a guided tour of, you know, really having somebody, you know, walking you through that history. But it was enough to even just be in the atmosphere. But my nephew was like, yeah, I thought I was about to have to. Um... He was like, the way you were nervous about it, I thought I was going to be wiping tears off your cheeks. <laughs> I was like, I thought so, too, bro, but we could. You know, I um, and I and I've gotten to conversations with a coworker about this before. I just feel so strongly about this and, and I will remain um i i'm grounded in how i feel about this um and it'll take a lot for me to change but i refuse to let a white person lead me around a plantation i refuse um i don't i do not and i mean and i get it and a, and a lot of people don't look at it this way but i'm telling you that if there were nazis who who, who led jews in a holocaust museum it would be an outcry you know what I'm saying? Like, that's not mm-hmm. okay with me. It's not okay with me. Mm-hmm. And I understand, like, you're not the person who enslaved these people, but neither are these currently living Nazis. <laughs> um, so mm-hmm. 
Don't give me that shit. I'm not. I'm done. You're not going to walk me around a plantation. I will be led around a plantation by an African American who will be able to tell me my history. But a white person, the same people who enslaved me and stole me from where we come from, absolutely not. And that's exactly how I felt. <laughs> and can I be honest? <laughs> it's funny you say that because there was one point in the tour, so we walked into like um, the main area of the home. And then you walk into, like, the sitting room or the family room or whatever, and he closed the doors behind him. <laughs> and then the doors, like, to the dining area were closed, too. And I was like, and I had told my nephew, I was like, I think we're going to be the only black people on this tour. Um, and so when he closed those doors, I started looking around like, I don't feel good about this. <laughs> like, at all. At all. Like, this this does not feel right in this enclosed space. I'm gonna need y'all to open the door ASAP. <laughs> get me get me up out of here. Yeah, moving forward, I would prefer <laughs> to be led by someone who looks like me. Yeah, I just I just think that is so f- I, not funny, but it's just ironic the things that people consider for other cultures and not us i just think that is just mind-blowing like don't tell me you don't think about my culture when you that you can't think about my culture or you find it difficult you know to to have a second thought about me and what will affect me when you walk into the mm-hmm. office and say happy holidays like fuck you <laughs> because there's a jewish <laughs> person right there but you you can consider her but you can't consider me right fuck you yeah, it's been a lot of fuck yous lately. I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> uh-uh, you better give them out unapologetically. So, They're I'm just sorry. I can't, sure. I can't do it. I just, I just, I just imagine it would be breaking news if there were, if there were groups of Nazis who led people around, led Jews around um, Holocaust museums. Right. Or concentration camps. Like, it literally, it would be blasphemy. Yeah, it doesn't even sound right. It does. Really it does. sounds like, crazy. That sounds like why would you even consider? Why would you do that to a Jew? But you signed your white ass up for this job. But they also probably did not expect to see our black faces, like. But and they also look at plantations differently, and that's probably they that's do. the main reason why they didn't, um, you know, address the the historical slave narrative of that plantation right. because they think of it, you know, a sign of wealth, a sign of beauty. You know what I'm saying? But that that right. that's the most painful one of not not the most, but one of the most painful experiences that America has ever contributed to this world. Absolutely. And they don't see it that way. So they, they need to name not. it something different then. Don't call it slavery, <laughs> call it a party. how you gonna call it what it is but not acknowledge what it is yeah when he kept calling them staff i was just like all right bro so did we i will ask myself did we not have slavery right like you can miss me with that one so that's that's just my little two cents but i'm glad you went i'm glad you had um had a decent experience right yeah i was about to say don't say good but it was decent yeah. Okay, folks. It's been a good uh it's been a good episode so far. You have anything else you want to add to either of those topics, Kiana? Let us know who going to the plantation. 
Oh, there's a new oh, museum. I do have something to add. There's a new museum in Montgomery, Alabama, commemorating okay. the African Americans who've been lynched. Um, oh, it looks. I saw that. Spectacular. I'm going. <laughs> I saw that. I'm definitely going. So if you guys get a chance, check that out. All right, time for last call. Okay. Who are you giving your tip to this week? Oh, I am going to give a 100% tip to Beyonce, Giselle, Knowles, Carter. (laughs) I'm just saying, if you... I don't even care who doesn't like her. You just got to give respect when respect is due. The woman shut down Coachella, and she did it in the blackest way possible. And I can't do anything but respect her for being in such... I mean, the crowd is majority white. Let's not forget what Coachella really is and what it started off as. And she was just unapologetic about our culture, about the rituals that we appreciate, the things that we hold near and dear to our hearts, and the things that, you know, are important to us. And that we are losing sight of, like the HBCUs and funding for them. So my tip goes out to Beyonce, my sister. I love you. I knew um, when when was Coachella? When was her performance? Sunday? Mm, Saturday? Saturday. Saturday. It's early Sunday I morning. I knew on yeah. Saturday. Whatever day her performance was, I knew that she was going to be your tip. <laughs> I knew she was going to be your tip. But I also, she is not my tip, but um, as Kiana knows, I am not a part of the beehive. I'm not a stan. I have had all of my friends look at me crazy when I say that. Um, But Beyonce did do the damn thing. And I am one of those people that can give credit when credit is due. Um, But that's not to say, like, I love Beyonce's music. I'm just just not a stan like, you know, most people are. but you have to give credit where credit is due. Like, she shut it down. She did shut it down from the snippets that I saw um, and from the things that I've heard. Like, that's enough for me. So she swag surfed. To, you said what? She swag surfed. <laughs> right. Like, to what? do what she did, like, she sang the Black National Anthem. What? That, like, done. 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 So... <laughs> I will, I will give her, um, I will give her that, like, I mean, she's a performer. She is a performer. A hell of a performer. That girl takes no breaks. None. And I appreciated somebody saying, I can't remember, I don't know what, like, the debate was about, but it was just like, you also have to respect, like, her work ethic. Like, this isn't just happening. Like, Beyonce puts in work for these performances 11 hour days like she like in a a detail does not go missed you know what I mean like everything has her hand and or eye on it or she has people around her that know her and knows exactly what she's going to want like and so to me that's what makes her a good performer too is because like she is in every single detail of what she she does and what she produces and what she puts out there so and there were 200, 200 people on stage with her. Yeah. That's a lot of people. They ain't even some of y'all graduating classes. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Kiana on the road today. All right. My tip, 
is going to go to um, a fellow Bobcat and his brand slash store, um, Fringe Brand, Greg Turner. Since we're on the topic of black businesses, um, I would implore you all to go follow him on Instagram and um, and his business page. It is Fringe Brand. That is the business page. And I am in the middle of trying to find his personal page. Um, <clears throat> but I will, I'll put that in the comments or something when we post about the show as soon as I find it. Um, but yes, my tip goes to Greg. I respect him for his hustle as a business owner. And not just a black business owner, but as a business owner. Um, I want to say we started around the same time he might have started a little bit earlier than I did um but he does these awesome t-shirts um and he even had a store at one point in the short north so if you know anything about short north in the Columbus area you know that is not um an easy task and then he took some time off to really you know just like readjust so I'm giving Greg a 50% tip um shout out to you keep pushing I Plan and will always continue to support him. Um, like I said, find him on Instagram and then go to the website and find what you like. He has these awesome. Oh, if you saw my Wakanda shirt at at the live show, um, that is from Fringe. So go to his page and, and support that. Yeah, I have Alrighty. some merchandise from Fringe, and it's been long lasting. It's probably the most comfortable thing I have. Like I it's quality. Say, it's super quality. quality. It's and so comfy. it's such quality merchandise. Like yeah, so shout out to Greg. Like he's not skimping on anything. I'm looking at his page right now, Greg. You don't come a long way. Shout out to you. Okay. Um, do you have any brunch spots? Not this week. Tag, I don't think I do either. I had one in mind, but... So, shout out to Double Dogs because um, some of the dishes that they serve there, they bring to you in, like, a legit doggy bowl. So, if you know what the silver dog bowls look like, imagine that because that's exactly what it is. Like I said, didn't go for brunch, but if you're ever there, I hear they have a really good happy hour and check them out. Um... Don't forget to like, comment, and share. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, on Instagram. The page is bitches, double underscore love, double underscore brunch. Um, And then Facebook, we have a Facebook page at bitches love brunch. So check us out, leave us some comments, chat with us, and we will see you in a couple weeks.